Okay, it seems the offering baskets have made their way around. Your pockets are now empty. So if I could have your attention. So, like Vic said, we're continuing in our, where we've had an overall series that you can see up there of being the people of God in a post-Christian society and really looking at passages that are addressing a people essentially in a pre-Christian society, but there's lots of parallels that we can learn. But I, I'm sure you've noticed that being a Christian in today's Britain, um, you, you are more and more different from the rest. Well, so we should be. We're called to be distinctive, aren't we? Um, and over the last two weeks, Dave and then Vic looked at um, some passages in 1 Peter. I'm going to continue looking at 1 Peter 2 verse 18 to 25 with the title called to suffer that sounds like fun don't it <laughs> called to suffer I put a question mark up there as well called to suffer are we called to suffer well let's let's have a look at 1 Peter 2 reading from verse 18 to 25 this is from the NIV New International Version Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's just pray briefly. Holy Spirit, we've enjoyed your presence with us. I pray you'd continue and speak to us through your word, that you would challenge us and change us. Lord, we enjoy your presence, but we want to know your power. And I pray, come, sweep through this room. As we look at your word, I pray you would speak to us, that each of us will receive something from your word that will change our lives as we go out of those doors into this world that we live in. Lord, be with us, I pray. Amen. Amen. As Christians, God has called us to endure, to endure unjust suffering without bitterness or revenge or the desire to hurt back. 
So what I'm saying, so that's not returning evil for evil, but doing good to those who hurt you and let you down. Oh, that's easy, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it does, it, se- it seems there's more and more people today, and, and including Christians, sadly, who justify their anger and their critical spirit by the wrongs that have been done to them. Right? There are people who, if you point out that they've been, say, unduly angry or bitter or critical, immediately they'll tell you how badly they've been hurt and how badly they've been let down. But you don't understand what they've said to me. You don't understand what I've been through. You know, if it, if it happens to me, then the other, when I say me, I'm talking generally, if it happens to me, then the other person deserves to be shown up. They deserve to be brought to justice, paid back. And it's my right to make it happen. Which means I need to be a bit critical or maybe put them down or make threats against them because they've done it to me and they deserve it, don't they? Is that what our response should be? Or should it be? I didn't hear anyone say no, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Should it be, yes, I have been hurt. I do feel let down, even mistreated. But I will not be bitter. I will not retaliate. I will not criticise or slander that person to someone else. I will return evil with good. I will bless rather than curse. Simple words, aren't they? But what a challenge. Even as I'm reading through that passage, I'm thinking, man, this is tough. This isn't just a simple rule to follow, is it? Now, as Christians, we are called to endure suffering and endure it without bitterness or revenge or the desire to hurt. And like I say, it's not a rule to keep. It has to be a a grace received, a miraculous grace, because everything in us wants, how dare they say that? Look what they've done to me. I want to respond. And you think, no. So we need the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit we encountered this morning, we need that grace in our lives. A miraculous grace. And we need to grow in that grace. We really need to grow in that grace. Because it should bother us if any of us are behaving in this way. It should bother us in the life of the church. It should bother us in our in our life through the week, in our marriages, in our, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our in places of employment or education, in, in our broad and many ministries through the church. It should bother us as we continue to fight social injustice. It should bother us just as we persevere with our Christian lives. Because we need this grace to endure. The grace to face Suffering, and I think we need it more than we realize because we're, so, we're so quick. Well, certainly, I'm, I think I'm referring to myself anyway. Th- our default is, How dare they? I think, No, I've 
need your grace to repay evil with love. What would your family be like if you always returned hurt for hurt? Or what would your ministry in the life of the City Hope be like if someone's wronged you and you want to get them back? It wouldn't be very good, would it? Life wouldn't be great. Now, Jesus in this passage is calling for a death, a death of our old self and our old ways and a, and a new and radically different life. In verse 23, and 24 of that passage I just read, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. It's the nature of our calling as Christians to live in a new way. To live as Jesus lived. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to do it because we couldn't possibly do it ourselves. You know, if, if, just going back to verse 19, it says, For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because they're conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. We've been called to this. It's tough, isn't it? I think as I'm reading this thing, I've been called to something I don't respond to. I need the Holy Spirit to constantly work through me and in me for this. So, when we do what is right, there will be times when we suffer. When we do what is right, there are times we'll be criticised. When we do what is right, things won't necessarily get better. When we do what is right, someone may say hurtful things anyway. When we do what is right, people may not even notice and there won't be any appreciation shown. We are the people of God in a post-Christian nation. We should be living holy and distinctive lives before one another and before the world we live in, shouldn't we? You know, there are people who act as though that, uh, that abuse they get when they've done right is completely out of order. That's so wrong. I've been violated any decent person wouldn't respond to me like that the least they could do is notice what I've what I've done and then that feeling rises up don't it you know that feeling my, my rights I've got rights a duty I've got a duty to put things right <laughs> right to get vindicated because I've done right I've not done wrong if I've done wrong I deserve the aggravation but when I've done saying right that passage says, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. It is our calling. Our calling to be criticised or hurt or ignored or misunderstood for doing what is right 
and not to return hurt for hurt. And please don't think, well, that's all right, Paul, but this passage is about slaves and masters, you know, and I'm neither of them. Because although the context is slaves and masters, if you go into the next chapter of 1 Peter, you read these words. He says, finally, all of you, oh, <laughs> that's, that's all of you, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called. It's our calling as believers here today. And it's for all people who follow Jesus. We're called to this, and it's a high calling, ain't it? You know, you'd rather be called, yeah, I'm called to go and lay hands on the sick and they're going to get well instantly. I'm, gonna, I'm called to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus to the, to the heathen and thousands, hundreds of thousands will be swept into the kingdom. That's a good calling to have, right? But we're called not to repay evil with evil, but rather to be repay it with good. No. <laughs> to this you were called. You were called to be hurt for doing what is right and to bear it without bitterness or revenge because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Christ suffered. Jesus suffered for each and every one of us. And when Jesus suffered, and we know it, but it's worth stating, he suffered more than any of us have ever suffered. When he suffered, he was standing in our stead, in our place. And that's amazing, isn't it? When we were his enemies, when we were separated from him by the things that we'd done wrong and said wrong and thought wrong and that darkness that we lived in before we were born again, he looked at us and loved us. He looked at us and said, yeah, I've chosen them. I've picked them out and I'm going to stand in their place. I'm going to suffer so they don't have to suffer. And we know, many of us know, that he went to the cross. He faced abuse. He faced torture. He faced rejection and a cursed death nailed to a cross because we were chosen. You think, Jesus, thank you for putting yourself in my place, for suffering and not responding in the way that we want to respond when we suffer. That, Jesus, you went like a lamb to the slaughter for me and for many so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be clean, so that we could be righteous as a gift, that we can have your grace to be holy. It is amazing, ain't it, what he's done for us. He was bearing our sins, it says in this passage. He bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross. So our condemnation, we were condemned people, condemned for the things we'd done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong. He took that condemnation away from us. It became his, so it wasn't ours. 
So the sufferings of our life today in Christ are not condemnation for sin. It's not like, oh, I wonder what they've done wrong. Look what they're going through. Look what he said to him. He must be a sinner. Of course not. Because Christ took our condemnation. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? So if he took it away, then those things that are said and done to us, you can argue a discipline for holiness. In the first chapter of 1 Peter, we read these verses, 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though for now, though now, sorry, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, reading from verse 5, it says, Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Sometimes those things come our way. They're they're like a, a, a guidance, aren't they? They shape us and they send us in another direction, the way he wants us to go. It says, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what, for what children are not disciplined by their father. And it goes on in verse 11, or the second half of verse 10 and into 11 of Hebrews chapter 12. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. (coughs) Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained for it. Do you fancy that? A harvest of righteousness and peace? That sounds quite good, right? So what it's saying is, listen, life ain't going to be easy. People you love sometimes are going to say horrible things. People you know well are going to do horrible things to you. What are you going to do in response? You're going to love them. Thank you. (laughs) You're going to love them back. And what will God do to you? He will shape us and he will educate us and he will change us. And he wants to change us to make him more and more like himself. The one who suffered the ultimate death on a cross for us, silent. He took it. He could have called down legions of angels and zapped a lot of them, couldn't he? He could have done the Romans, he could have done the Pharisees and he could have done their families as well. Right? But he didn't. What an example for us. And we misunderstand something someone says to us and we want to fight them. What's that? Jesus, help us. See, can you see what I'm saying? It's not just a rule to keep. We need the miraculous grace gift in this. Our suffering is not divine condemnation. It's divine calling. The other thing that was happening when Jesus suffered was that he was giving us an example of how we should live. In his death, there's an example of how we should live. Right? He died for us that we might suffer like him. And that, that, that's 
pointed out in verse 22 and verse 23. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. What an example. And what a challenge for us, City Hope Church and Christians around the globe. When everything in you thinks, how dare they, my sense of justice is rising up. You know? It's countercultural, isn't it? And certainly, you know, it's bad enough as Christians. In this world we live in, when there's so much individualism and there's so much backbiting and there's so much fighting, for, jockeying for position, and we as Christians are saying, I forgive you. I love you. When you're praying for your enemies, so-called, you think, mate, please don't think I've got this sewn up mate as I read through this passage I thought oh man the calling the calling on us as believers in this world it's a high calling but it's not impossible because the same Holy Spirit we encountered this morning is the one who wants to work in us and through us it's not only his presence which I love it's his power power to change power to be more like him I love it I love it so our calling, Peter says in this letter, is not to hurt back and not to plan to hurt back. You know, not to seethe with bitterness because we're not allowed to hurt back. You know, I'm not going to hurt him, but oh, I really want to. You know, <laughs> you see. So can you see it's not just a simple rule to keep, right? This isn't about rule keep. This is a miracle we want. A daily miracle, a miracle to be experienced, a grace to be, to be received. And it's the only way to go. And as we go, this is the only way, this is the only way many marriages can be rescued. It's the only way many working relationships can be saved, right? It's the only way that, 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 w that we can, it's the only way we should be, isn't it? You know, and in, I just want to just address marriages for the moment. The, I'm not talking from experience here. Spouses can hurt each other worse than anybody else. Right? <laughs> Somebody said, trust me. Right? But you can because it's, you know, you, what's the saying? You always hurt the ones you love. That's not in the Bible. But there's, but there's that, when you're in that close proximity with one another and you, you, your guard is down maybe and you, things come out your mouth and you think, we should be demonstrating, if you are married, demonstrating a beautiful relationship. That, mar that marriage actually is an illustration of Christ's relationship with the church. But it goes beyond marriage, of course it does. It goes to our kids. If you're not in a marriage relationship, it's your friends, it's your colleagues, it's your neighbours, it's, it's the whole bit. We need your grace, Lord. For when they say those things, we don't want to respond in the wrong way. We don't want to justify our self-pity or, or our frustration or even our pain. So our calling today, our calling this morning and going forward, not just today but beyond today, is not a rule to keep. It's a miracle to be experienced. Don't you love miracles? 
You know, we love their miracles of healing and miracles of provision, but this is a miracle. We're talking about a miracle that, the, that God's people respond in a totally different way to the rest of the world. You know, we, do you remember those stories? We, we, we had the video of the lady whose son was st- stabbed up in um, Tabard. And she forgave her son's killer and went to him and prayed for him and wept with him. I think there's a bit of an example of responding in a different way. Responding in a way that is not the world's ways. Do you trust that God sees every wrong you've done? Because we've all done wrong, haven't we? That he knows every hurt that's been done to you. That he understands the motives and the, the circumstances perfectly. Do you understand that he is totally righteous? He will settle all accounts with perfect justice. You thank God for forgiveness at that moment, don't you? You thank God for the blood of Jesus which covers many sins. Now, if you believe that, if God is that real to you, then you will be able to hand it over to God. And even if nobody in the world understands, if nobody in the world understands where your peace comes from, why are they like that? Don't you understand? They've been slandered publicly. It's horrible. Why have they got joy in their life? Why do they live like they're, they've got freedom when if, that, if somebody had done that to me, I'd be crushed by it. Why do they love back? We know the answer, don't we? The answer is a God who is powerful and loving and caring and life-changing and life-affirming, who wants the Holy Spirit to be on us and in us and working through us. We want his presence and his power. That's why we can do it. That's why we can live a completely counter-cultural life in this world today, in this post-Christian nation that we're living in, because of Jesus. It's not irrelevant, is it? We, we may be a minority in this nation. <coughs> we may be a minority in this nation. But we've got Jesus with us. So suddenly, maybe numerically we're in a minority, but we're on the winning side. We are the victors. And there's responsibility that comes with that victory. It's to demonstrate Jesus to the world around us. And you think, hallelujah, Paul, I love this. I need the Holy Spirit and his power. It's glorious. And then you go to work on Monday and that geezer says it again. (laughs) Think, oh. (laughs) Or that person does it again. Or whatever it may be. And you think, "Ah, what am I going to do? Holy Spirit, I need your power right now. You know? This is a very practical word for a God's people in a post-Christian nation, isn't it? Challenges the socks off you. That's why I haven't got any on. But I'd love, I'd love to pray for us right now. And then maybe we can have some personal response as well. Just to say before I do pray, 
there may be things that God raises and he's even stirring in you now and you feel a little bit uncomfortable. 10, 15 minutes prayer on a Sunday morning doesn't always cut it. In your connect groups, please, if Scott has stirred something, go to your connect group and say, you know what Paul said on Sunday? I really would like you to pray for me. Right? And, and, and look for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in, in your life. Let me pray. Jesus, sometimes when we read through your word, there's little passages of scripture jump out and a few words can have a massive impact. And I pray that this passage we've looked at today will have a huge impact on City Hope Church. That we would live different as a result of encountering your word. That you would speak to us and challenge us and change us. Lord, and it won't be, won't be left behind in this room. This will be something we take to our families, to our friends, to our colleagues. That we will be a different people. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just move upon us, each and every one of us now. Bring to mind, Lord, those situations where we have responded poorly. Give us the grace to repent and maybe even put it right publicly, but certainly going forward to respond in a new way. And I pray for every one of us, wherever we find ourselves, more and poor people will be saying, wow, did you see them? Do you know them? They're Christians. Those Christians are different. Those Christians love regardless. Those Christians are kind, generous, thoughtful, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience, kindness. They're self-controlled. And Lord, as we live those lives, we say, have your way in our nation. We say, Lord, would you stir people's hearts? Would you replace those rock-hard hearts with soft hearts of flesh? Lord, that people who are in darkness, by your grace, will find your wonderful light. Lord, that we would see salvation come to our communities would see the world changed around us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you today. We love your word. We love your challenges. We love what you want to do with us. And Lord, as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I thank you that this ain't it. That I am passing through a stranger in the land on my way to my heavenly home where there is no more slander and insult and violence and pain. I'm passing through to a home of perfection in the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.